Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Design Her Travel podcast. I'm your host, Kim Anderson. As an avid traveler, global nomad, and someone who considers themselves a citizen of the world, I want to say welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. My hope in creating this podcast is to inspire you to take the leap of faith and to design the life of your dreams. For me, that includes connecting with like-minded individuals and creating a community of souls living their best lives out, in, and around the world. Each week, you'll hear stories and conversations from fellow travelers who have figured out how to incorporate travel as a key component in their daily lives. Their stories are beautiful and inspiring, just like you. I can't wait to go on this journey with you. So let's do this. Here we go. I am really excited about today's episode. Today we have on the show Justin and Leah. They are an American couple living a wonderfully adventurous life abroad. Their work teaching English as a second language and their travels have taken them to several countries around the world. And their passion for sharing their global lifestyle is obvious through their YouTube videos. They created their channel, Get Up, Get Out, Get Gone, to share their experience as an interracial couple living abroad. They share a wide array of travel tips and personal experience on everything from food and adventures to navigating the medical system. Justin and Leah are a great example of two people who made the brave choice to buck the system and create the life of their dreams. This episode is jam-packed with valuable insight into the life of a global couple. I think that you are going to love it as much as I did. And so without further ado, Justin and Leah. Well, hello, Leah and Justin. I am really excited. I can't wait to delve into your story. I think there's going to be some really great tidbits. You have a lot of facets that I know I'm interested in learning about, and I know that the listeners will be very excited to learn about. So let's start with telling people where you are in the world. I, we are currently in Tainan, Taiwan, which is in the southern part of Taiwan. So most people know, if they've even heard of Taiwan, they and don't call it Thailand, and they know that we're in Taiwan, they'll, they'll just assume we're in Taipei, but we're down at the far other end with different weather, different climate, and a different culture than Taipei, actually. What's the travel time between Taipei and tai, Taigon? Is that what it is? Tainan, Tainan. It is Tainan. only, a, if you get the right... High-speed <laughs> rail train, you can get there in an hour, 15 minutes. If you take a bus or public transportation or the slow train you're looking at about five wow. hours whoa that's a significant difference <laughs> i know <laughs> we're willing to pay the upcharge just to get to, to the city faster oh yeah that's a difference in a direct flight and one with like three connections yes yeah. and so i would like to start with the beginning because you guys have come to this place where you are together but you started out you know, your journey individually. And so what was the driving force behind the two of you deciding to get up, get out and get gone from the U.S. and start living your life overseas? What what was the driving factor or factors? 
I want to say that there's this long drawn out story, but it's not. For me, I worked in a field that requires you to check in a lot mentally. And I was given mandatory time off because I really love my job and I didn't necessarily do a lot of downtime. So I had to take a mandatory year off and I, I went abroad to Korea to do something different because I had this paid sabbatical and decided that I loved it and that I didn't want to come back. I thought wow. it was because she, she, she met me while she was abroad. <laughs> I, always, I always like to think that's because we met. That's why you stay foolish to me. <laughs> Sweet in the pot. Yeah, I, I, thought, I, thought, I thought that's what was happening. I wanted to, I've always wanted to travel. I think ever since, you know, seeing National Geographic magazines, you know, thrown about every lobby of every office you ever went into as a child and seeing those like, quote unquote, exotic places that I wanted to, to go and to go out and get the opportunity to do it on a permanent basis. But uh, I thought travel would be great. But once you travel, if you're always going to be traveling, sometimes your home base might need to be somewhere else other than the U.S., so I think you have a better travel opportunity based where we are in Southeast Asia or somewhere else in the world than from the States. And because it's just a lot more financially suitable to be living abroad than it is in the States. Yeah, absolutely. It's when your rent costs are down, you have public transport and don't need a vehicle, your health insurance, all of the, the facets yeah. that make American living so pricey, then yeah, there's definite benefits. And so both of you were drawn to Asia. And I know that there are people that have traveled many places, but you know, Asia is sort of the place or the, the location that seems foreign enough that it's a little intimidating. And so why, what was the draw for you to go to Asia first? Uh, for me, the first place I ever went abroad was to Guangzhou, China. And the first flight I ever took internationally was to Guangzhou, China. And I was drawn back because I felt it's such a radically different culture than the US or the West in general. And I, I wanted to come back. So one of my second longest stints abroad was in South Korea. And that's why I decided to go to South Korea a second time for an even longer stay. And we've just been here ever since. I think for us, or for me anyway, staying in this part of the world, it's a great, it's a great jumping point to, to travel other places, as I mentioned before. And I the culture from each different country being so close together, but yet being so different is really fascinating to me. The different language, the different food. I'm really, really into the food. And South Korea, once I, I went there, I had to go back again just to get the food. And then from there, we moved on and it's we, we stayed here I, I mean do we have any plans of going possibly possibly maybe why did you choose South why did you choose South Korea I chose South Korea I just not love your story you just picked a place and go I had to do a little bit of research because the ESL industry is dominated by younger people yeah. and so for me to start this journey off at over 40 years old and being a black female in a place that I didn't know how black people were received, I had to do a lot of research. Mm. And the research that came back with the most positive feedback and meeting financial goals that I wanted to meet was South Korea. So that's the reason that, that I chose South Korea. 
Nice. That's, uh, I like, again, the, uh, the spectrum of let's, let's pick a place on the map and then let's, yes. let's research heavily and, <laughs> and, uh, and decide that's brilliant. There's always, you know, more, what is that more than one way to skin a cat, so to speak. So, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. And so you guys currently, uh, are teachers, correct? Your ESL teachers, and that's how you fund your lifestyle. And, and so tell us a little bit about what your day-to-day life is like and what the process was for you to become certified to teach. Do you have backgrounds in teaching or is this just something that you figured out could fund the lifestyle that you want to live? We have a, a different daily life, each place that we yeah. worked. As I said before, the culture is a little different from all the countries that we lived in that there are some similarities in the teaching methodologies of these schools. I think where we fit in as, F, as foreign English teachers is what we're called here in Taiwan. You have to have a, a certification. We have a self-certification. Is it through Cambridge or Oxford? Cambridge through Cambridge. So the self-certification helps, but some countries you only need to have just a bachelor's degree in something in anything, and then take a, a TEPL course that you can take online for literally $9.99, and then you can start teaching. But we making this something that's most lucrative for us and kind of making this a career, we've gone on to specialization with uh, extended TEPLs and CELTA and phonics training and IELTS training. Yeah. So <laughs> we, have, we have additional certifications. Oh, and... Uh, certificate from the Illinois Board of Education. So we have those. You don't have to, but we chose to because we wanted to make the most. We didn't want to be turned down for any job. If we wanted to go there to a place and you needed these requirements, we wanted to have them. So we didn't have, but we didn't. We didn't start out that way. Leah's um, background was in psychology. Mm-hmm. Um, I studied world's religion. I mean, it's not like you can really do with that degree. Um, let's really go into academia, and that's just a big intellectual, well, anyway, it's a big intellectual circle. I mean, keep it clean for the PG crowd. Um, <laughs> and, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's how we're in ESL now. In, 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 and I don't think I have anything to add to that. I think that's exactly what it is. I think we originally started getting certification so that we could be more competitive because yeah, there really. is ageism uh, discrimination here, and they have a preference for younger people. And so I know when I originally started getting my certification, it was so that I could show that I was serious about Mm -hmm. teaching ESL and also show that I've taken additional training that would benefit their students. But eventually it just came to learning more about uh, ESL and how to be more effective teachers and, and how to bridge the gap with the goals that the school wants their students to meet, which may require, what is the word I'm thinking of? It, it, re- it requires a lot of uh, imagination and <laughs> bridging the cultures together because the way that we learn in America is not necessarily the way that they learn here. The, the problem with the way that we were educated in the West, it's not didactic learning like it is here. It's didactic. You have the teacher teaches to the students, they talk to the students, they tell them the information, the teacher, the students write it down and they commit it to memory. A lot of rote memorization. You're 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 getting what you need to pass a test and they're literally giving you the answers to the test. It's very didactic. There's, there's not a lot of back and forth between teachers and students. And when you come in as a foreign English teacher, that is very different because especially if you're from the West and you're not familiar with this type of methodology for education, 
you're going to approach things very differently. And sometimes that can be at odds with the culture that you're teaching in. So you have to find creative ways to like, let me not overstep their teaching, but also make sure that I can best teach the language yeah. that they want their students to acquire. Yeah. And, and that challenge is very, very, very difficult sometimes depending on the culture that you're in. Some cultures are more forgiving than others. So. I can imagine that you learn much more about the society and the culture when you are immersed in the way that they educate their youth. You oh, understand, absolutely. Yeah, you understand much more than you would see from, it's like the inside out view. Yeah. 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 And that's, that's something that as far as us being like, you know, there's all these terms, tourist, traveler. Uh, expat and all of this and and, and we kind of find ourselves like i don't know if we ever have used any of those labels to address ourselves i know i struggle with the word expat just for my own personal reasons i think leah's fully embraced the embrace that term but when you live and then you see how people live and you can break bread with them you can share that time that's that's one level of exposure when you get behind the scenes of the day-to-day life and see how children and parents interact with each other around their curriculum, around what their, their goals and the objectives are for, for the education of their, of their children, then you see a completely different, and you have a completely different insight into the culture because you're seeing it from, from a parent's view that you wouldn't necessarily get if you were just a traveler or a, a tourist. Yeah, you are becoming part of the entity and people that are raising the future generation. And so mm. you you know you're immersed in this modern time in a quote unquote foreign land for you and raising the future generation. So it's an interesting perspective on human you know it's just a broader a broader understanding of who we are as a people here. So I think it's it's a really interesting way to immerse yourself and see the world. Absolutely. Yeah. And so what is life like? We You touched about this a little bit, Leah, when you talked about where it's safety, where it would be safe traveling for you as a person of color in the world. And so what is it like being an interracial couple in Asia? Because all of the world has stereotypes. All of the world has racism. All of the world has safe and unsafe issues. So what is it like for the two of you there? I think I'm going to let Justin handle it. <laughs> I don't know why I'm in the It varies uh, depending on what country that we go to. In Korea, there was there was no bad experiences, actually, when we went to Korea. A lot of curiosity. Not from Koreans. Not from Koreans. Yeah, we're going to try to wrap all this up. All right. Go <laughs> Korea itself. A lot of curiosity, a lot of invitations to interact with people, a lot of picture taking because obviously mm-hmm. we we stand out. And I do have to say too that the, the places that Justin and I choose to teach are not in the big cities, right? We like the small cities away from everyone, away from all the expats. We like to immerse ourselves in the community. And so with that, we're bringing new experiences of people who may have never seen an interracial couple or may have right. never even mm-hmm. seen a foreigner, but it was met with curiosity. The negative feedback, ironically, that we got in Korea was from people of color. A lot of Africans and very verbal and very, they let you know that they didn't appreciate us being a, an interracial couple. We, uh, we've been 
or I've been spit on. We've been pushed off of trains. We've been called names as we walk by, but never from the country that we're in. And that was Korea. In Vietnam, it was a little bit different, but I don't think that was an interracial couple thing. No, I don't think that. I think most, most yeah, in Vietnam, it's just the pure curiosity of you being so dark. Because you know you're just like midnight to them. I mean, I don't understand that there's there's colorism in in, in Vietnam and in all Asian. I mean, in all Asian societies, yeah. the wider you can be, the better. I mean, you need to look no further than K-pop idols to see that, um, and and in all and all of the cosmetics that they're pitching in South Korea, that the whiteness. But that's to let you know that hey, I don't. I'm not a laborer. I'm not a. Right. I'm not, I don't work with my hands. I, I, I have a better lifestyle than you, so that's why my skin is fairer. And it's not because I'm bleached out, which is something that that is common in all the products here. So whiteness has its has its place here. As far as effectiveness as a couple, I think only when we interact with other Westerners that it's more of an issue than it actually is by the host country. But in Vietnam, but yeah, in Vietnam it was. I think in Vietnam there's stuff. And, and ignorance about darker skin. And it was to the point that when Justin and I would go out, let's say to a restaurant or somewhere, there would literally be women approaching Justin oh, yeah. to flirt with him, not assuming that he was with me. Or, or, or have their mothers introduce me to their daughters. Yes. <laughs> that, that happened a lot. And then in Vietnam, you... <laughs> if there's not a ring on the finger, if it's if you that hit. You're fair you're game. Fair game. You're fair game. I'm like introducing them like this is the Clea. This is hi. This is to, and they're like, uh huh. So my, my my daughter is single. I'm like, what's it got to do with anything? We just, yeah, that was that was a little awkward. A little awkward. Yeah, and that happened often. And not only that, but when Justin be like, no, this is my significant other, they would look at me like, but but why? Yeah. But why? My, my yeah. skin is lighter. My skin is fairer. I'm thinner. Why? Why? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. A couple of points that stick out in that is one is some of the racism that you've experienced are people that have brought racism with them. You know, like they have, they have, you know, foreigners that, you know, were spit on you or did like, they brought racism with them. Those are, those are ideologies from home countries. And then it is, I think it's, you know, and the color of skin, it's the lack of exposure to, you know, they, they've, it's just something some have never seen. And so the, the social awkwardness around that is just, it's like the social norm is totally different when, you know, it's just like, oh, wow, we've, we haven't seen this before. It's like seeing mm-hmm. something brand new in the world. So, and then the, the fact of no ring, I have friends that, that have experienced this and they actually, when they travel, they wear fake rings or when they're, they just wear fake rings to, to keep those, those things at bay. A friend of mine, she travels as a, a she is a, a, this beautiful, beautiful black woman. She's very young and she travels with a ring all of the time. <laughs> Life is so interesting when you get out into the world and you're doing nothing but being yourself, being you and putting yourself in a situation that you know, isn't other people, your typical day to day, or it might be become your typical day to day. And it's fascinating what comes from that. And so where do you see your personal growth that or perspective? How has that changed for you by living through these experiences? 
You mentioned being being you, this concept of getting to be yourself. Sometimes people don't get that opportunity to even understand what that is until they remove themselves from the culture that made them the them that they were when they were living in that culture. You, you can develop a whole new sense of identity through travel alone, through living abroad, through immersing yourself in other cultures. You get an opportunity to possibly see yourself for the first time. Yeah. Well, I, I liken it to actually becoming the human being that you are. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. So we don't always get that opportunity when we don't step outside the box or take the chance or be brave, you know, do the brave thing. And so I, you know, I always like, I always say well done on being brave for for breaking out of those societal norms for choosing you because not everyone has that faith in themselves or the ability to face the fear and to live that life and so yeah so congratulations we about that. Yeah, no, we're, we're about last month. exactly yeah it's it's it is scary but at the same time it can it can be quite easy to do because there are so many support systems out there for people who want to not just travel, but if you want to live abroad too, there are going to be support systems that that are either expat oriented or they even like the support we've gotten living in Taiwan from locals. Oh my gosh. The people who live here, <laughs> they just want to make sure like, okay, they, they have an appreciation. You are a stranger in a strange land. Do you need something here? Let me feed you. Here, let me make sure you get home safely. It's and like the Taiwanese version of uh, Southern hospitality. Uh, <laughs> so, on yeah, another, another level. level. <laughs> another level. <laughs> As far yeah, we just had a, I just had a comparison conversation the other day about Southern hospitality and the hospitality. In fact, we, we went live discussing on YouTube, discussing this hospitality. This fact that we go places and by virtue of just being a foreigner, People would give us stuff for free, like here, like, oh, we want to try this new food. Like, oh, no, here, just just have the whole thing. And we try to pay like, no, 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 thank you. Thank you for stopping by. And we're like, no, we want to pay. And it happens all the time in Taiwan. They want to take care of you. They they see you as a guest. And when and I, I can't say that every country we've visited has treated us with that level of hospitality. But to some extent, especially... If you're from the you know, the West, you're from America, you're going to get treated with a certain like uh, hospitality that that I think will help encourage you to get over the fear of traveling and, and, and living abroad. Because I think the fear, as Leah was saying the other night, is what holds so many people back, the unknown, mm-hmm. the what if, but in the negative direction rather than the what if in the positive direction. Yes, I think that's your, you know, nail on the head that that's, and that doesn't just apply to travel that applies to people's life in general. You know, if someone wants to change, yeah, it's, it's so easy to go into the, what if in the, in the negative spiral and it's like, but what if it's the most amazing thing you've ever done, (laughs) you know? And it's so weird how we like, and I think it's part of that, you know, that monkey mind, part of our fight, fight, flight, or freeze portion that takes over and says, keep you safe, keep in the known, you know, but um, the expansion comes from stepping out of that. So it's a practice though. You, it's a, it's, you really have to practice that I think in life. So never goes away. the first time, you know, eating bugs oh, that we don't yeah. do in the U.S. 
You, yeah. you, you had to tell yourself, what if it's the most amazing food I've ever had? <laughs> it's not, but it was delicious still, <laughs> especially in Oaxaca. If you, you know, the, the, the crickets that eat in Oaxaca are freaking delicious. And anyone that says they're not is because they're, they're lying to themselves. They are delicious. They're absolutely delicious. <laughs> but you have to say, what if this is the best thing I've ever eaten? Because you could say, what if this is disgusting? You know what? If it's disgusting, rinse your mouth out, move on to the next food item. But what if it's the yeah. best thing you've ever eaten? Oh, yeah. You don't know until you try it. <laughs> Yeah, because your mind doesn't know, you know, science shows your mind doesn't know the difference in the, the truth and the non-truth. So you can tell your, it's maybe it's, it's the best thing ever. And your brain will be like, oh, okay. It's the best thing ever. I think at one point in Korea, we got, we were trying so many dishes and we were like, don't tell us what it is. Yeah. I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to, but I'm like, is that, I'm not even sure what that is. <laughs> you know, I'm like a fish sex. No, I don't, if we I, showed you a picture of it, you wouldn't know what it is. But you know what, Kim, if we showed you a picture of it, I bet you would say that looks delicious. Yeah, not the food, <laughs> not the sex organ. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> the dish. The dish, right. The dish, not the actual cuddle dish. <laughs> <laughs> the finished product. <laughs> right. oh, oh, it's wow. so good. Once I I was in uh, Thailand, I think I was in around Chiang Mai, and I went. We went with the woman who owned the hostel, hotel, whatever it was that that we were staying in at the time, and she took us to this lake, and it was very local. Like we were the only foreigners there, and she's like, "Oh no, this is where like we go on the weekends," and and swim. And there was a lovely little restaurant and she's like, Oh, do you want to try the dancing shrimp? And I was like, well, that sounds like fun. Let's try the dancing shrimp. And then she opens it. And the reason that they're dancing shrimp is because they're still alive and she opened it and you're like, and they like, they jump out of the thing. And you're like, she's like fast, fast, fast. And you get and it was so fast. Like you, you had to eat it quickly because it was like jumping everywhere. And I was like, Oh, dancing shrimp. I get it now. Wow. So, she yeah. didn't try to sell you anything. She told you exactly what it was. Yeah, totally. And it's like, and you have, she's like, you know, eat, eat quickly because it's like still alive in your mouth, moving around. And you're like, try, and then, you know, it's hard to choose something that's moving around your mouth. That's like the octopus. So, it's a lot of octopus. Yeah, that, yeah, we that had was, in South Korea. That was one of the yeah, earlier dates. Eating <laughs> live octopus. That's might be ethically, ethically challenging for some, but uh, it's delicious just the same. <laughs> Octopus is so good. I know it's one of my favorites. <laughs> uh, so I love it's. It's so. It's one of the greatest joys in life. Is for for me uh, is having those experiences because you know when you're old and gray and on your deathbed and and you you know you're you're sort of running through the movie scape of your life, you're going to remember those moments that just made you laugh and so much joy yeah. and the adventure, you know, it's just, that's what life's about. Like have fun, enjoy it, have the adventure. So 
and you know, it's uh, I think that's why we're here on earth. Let's let's enjoy it. I think that's more. also like one of the models of our channel, uh, for get out, get out, get going is all about the adventure, all part of the adventure, always asking people when was the last time you did something for the first time. We're always trying to do something new that's for true. the first time because we want that new experience, and it's, it's and it's not because we're not satisfied with experiences we've had in the past, but you never know what new experience will be the next best thing for you, for you in your life or what you could learn from it. I don't think there's, you know, when I first started traveling before I lived abroad, I never returned to the States without having a better understanding of me and my country, to be honest with you. Like I, I saw things differently. I, I started seeing things through a different lens. And I think there's something to be said for, I can't, I don't know whose quote this is and heaven forgive me if it's, another dead, rich white man that said this, but one of the greatest ed- educations you can get is, 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 is travel. That's one of the best educations you can have is for whatever you learn in books, it doesn't matter so much if you, know, if you can't have an applied experience with that. And, and travel gives you so many opportunities to have so many different experiences that your mind couldn't even conceive of because you haven't traveled before. And, and, and I do feel privileged to have an opportunity to travel. We do work and live a particular lifestyle so that we can continue to live abroad and, and to travel. But I've learned more traveling than through any other, than through college and creating, you know, I mean, those are the, the fundamentals that you learn, but like to learn about life itself. It has been through living abroad. It has been through traveling that that's, I've gained the most. I've gained the most. That, that's my plug for world travel everyone there we go <laughs> yeah i'm down you know it takes one to know one right it's uh yeah, right. just it, yeah i love uh now there's a world schooling movement where people are moving about the planet they're educating their their kids in in just being in the world being citizens of the world and so they're learning you know i mean they're getting the opportunity to learn from museums they're seeing the actual paintings in front of them they're seeing monuments and living walking through like historical places and they're just getting such a a tangible experience in life and i i mean that gift is that, you know, raising the future, as we were talking about raising the future generation in a way that understands humanity from the past to the present and seeing the connectedness in us all, I think will help move the forward, the planet forward in a more positive way. So, yeah. try, you know, it's, it's, uh, people are inherently kind getting out in the world and experiencing that makes the world a better place, no matter where it is you choose to call home or go. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for, for, for all the differences that, that, that we've spoken of, that is one thing that remains consistent. The fact that we are all more alike than we are different, or as different as our cultures may be, fundamentally humans are all more alike than we are different. And, and that's a really big lesson that, that I've gained from, from living abroad. And I wish more people had that opportunity to, to be able to experience that so they could get that understanding. Because I don't think it's something that you, you could just intellectualize through academia. Say, yeah, 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 we're all more alike, but actually seeing people. Experiencing. Yeah, yeah. That's, that, that's really important. Yeah, absolutely. And so 
Kind of going back to your, you guys have chosen to live this sort of uh, life less ordinary for many people. I know it, it when you're traveling in the world, it's quite ordinary because you come across people that are doing what you're doing. But to a lot of people, it's uh, it's it's a lot different. And so, you know, we we spoke about the expenses of living in the United States, mm-hmm. and even though you have the ability to earn a great wage in there uh, or here, it's also very expensive to live. And so. Like financially, how is life in Asia? Like, how are you planning for retirement differently? Are you, what are some of the benefits? Because you can live an extraordinary life for less money living in Asia. So what have you found in your experience? Go ahead, finance lady. (laughs) (laughs) I have... The first thing, the biggest thing that I learned when I moved abroad is that I personally feel like the American dream, the American dream that we're sold is meant to keep you in in debt. I don't think that people think about a financially free life. I think the definition of success is having a big house with a car, lots of stuff to show, look, that I've made it. My biggest takeaway is being financially free, being able to pay off every bill that I have ever had, credit card, except for student loans, still working on that, but credit cards, letting go of my house, letting go of paying off my car, which was a pretty hefty price, being able to pay that off in in 18 months and starting late in retirement, but knowing that we will meet our financial goal because we are living a different life. For example, in Korea, our housing was paid for, our insurance, our, our healthcare was paid for, our visa was paid for. We got a sign-on bonus. I personally got one month's pay after three months of perfect attendance and then a completion bonus at the end of the year. And that just goes, that just goes towards our, what well, didn't go to our retirement then. But <laughs> in Vietnam, it's the same thing. Very low cost of living, it, very it, different it lifestyle. Low, yeah, yeah, really, really low. Really low cost of living. Yeah, and, and less work. Less work. We work wow. hours a week is full time for an English teacher in Vietnam. So that came with a lot of traveling. That came with a way of us looking at money differently. And we are able to set financial goals that I don't necessarily think that I would have even thought about if we would stay in the States. But I, I, I can... I would have thought of having any kind of retirement fund at this point. I still yeah. be thinking about it. There's no way I would be like, oh, let's put this away for... Let's put this in a Roth IRA. What's a Roth IRA? Well, who's got money? For, you have extra money for a Roth IRA? How do you even do that? Like, that wasn't even possible. Or, yeah, and our investment into the stock market. Yeah. Like, our my my financial literacy, literacy has changed since being abroad. And I also like the fact that I am able to help my family because they may not necessarily see what Justin and I are living. But when I go home, things that my family can't do because they're on a set income, I can't afford to fix the air conditioner. So I have to live in heat. I'm able to help you with that. Let me help you get your car fixed. Um, Let me take you out to dinner because, you know, my mom is on a very set income where those things, she doesn't even think about those things because she can't afford it. She doesn't stay in a fixed, amount of uh, income every month. And I I feel that I'm blessed to be able to go back and help her with the things that she's not able to do. I, I'm just happy to be able to go to 
anywhere and eat anything I want whenever I want and not have to check my wallet to make sure I can pay the bill. That to me is the greatest thing ever because there's times in, in America where I'm like, do I eat today? Do I, do I actually go out and eat today? Like when you're literally living off of a $5 sandwich and you split in two from morning and afternoon and you're in those kind of financial situations and then that sucks. <laughs> like mm-hmm. there's no, like living abroad, what, something that I've noticed about living abroad is what we do, there is not the same food scarcity abroad mm-hmm. as there is in America. Like I don't see people struggling to have their basic needs met in other countries the way that they, we do in the States. Like there are no like areas where people just, no, there's, there's no grocery store nearby. No, everyone has access to food. That was in Korea, that was in Vietnam, every country we visited, Thailand, Malaysia, Cambodia, all these places, food is always one of, one of the cheaper things. And that doesn't mean it's low quality. That, that, that just means that it's, it's, there's more food to uh, farm to table. Like you're literally like, you will drive by and see a chicken in the morning on your way to work and you want to go to that place for lunch. Guess what? Chicken's not there, but you're having chicken for lunch. Like, talk about fresh. Yeah, and, and, and the, go ahead. No, I'm just saying, like, like, I don't understand what we're doing in America <laughs> that makes it so difficult to feed yourself because you don't see that anywhere else. I, not where we've traveled anyway. So that to me is like being able to eat what I want, when I want. And that's, that's a sense of freedom. That's a, a sense of security that I didn't really always, always have. And I, sometimes I had it in the States, but not always. I didn't always have it. I don't think that I also realized uh, with the medical system as well how much that America profits off of our illnesses. Yeah. And there are um, certain drugs that I have family members on where they literally cannot afford to take it every day. They're cutting it in half and they're cutting it in fourths. And in Vietnam, it was just sold over the counter. Blood pressure medicine, we can give you a 60-day supply or 120-day supply. So... Being able to buy that for my family, being able to have had to literally change our mindset about preventive health care. Oh, right. Because we didn't do that in America. You don't go to the doctor unless you're sick. And here there is preventive medicine. There's Chinese medicine. Um, the medication that we take is included in our doctor's visit. Like it's not separate where I have to shop around and find the cheapest price for medicine. It, it's been it's been a, a an awakening experience, but I love I love the fact that we are able to help our families financially. I love the fact that we are able to plan for retirement. Something again that Justin and I never thought about, um, and that we are able to see a future where we are not working until we're sixty seven or seventy. Like the way that we have things planned out, I, I think that. Is that the goal, 62? It's 60. I don't even know what the goal is. We're just saving. (laughs) Put money away. We're just saving and investing. Just socking it away. (laughs) Unless there's a major trip we want to take, we might pull a little bit back. Yeah. I think that it's the quality of life. I mean, you can live like kings and queens. I, in Asia, I, you know, I'm like, I, a massage therapy is very important for physical health. Like I, it's something. Yeah. I'm like, you can get a massage and it's, it's not. Like it's this treat and you save up money for it or whatever. You're like, I'm going to get a massage every week. Cause it's like $5, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. And, and I love that. And there are two things that 
I want to, I want to touch on on that. And the first one is, so I don't know if you've heard that the Dalai Lama said, Western women will save the world. And I think part of the reason that he, like one of the things where that comes from is Western women have, you know, we, we have the ability, we we've been educated. Many of us have been educated and we have the ability to move around the world freely and to create community and use our education for the betterment. It's also shown that money in the hands of women dramatically improves the world. We multiply what happens with our money. We take care of people. We share it. We spread it around. And so the more money we can get into the hands of women and especially women in the world, and but especially Western women who have the ability to spread it out, you know, it, the whole world becomes better. So it's really awesome. Like we help our families. We, we give it to our children. We set up systems, we create communities around it. And it's really, it's really amazing. So I, I love that. And the other thing, Justin, I love that you said you can sit down and pick, uh, uh, just eat whatever you want off the menu. Like that's, I, that is, that feels so amazing. And so when I worked in the yachting industry, we had John Paul DeJoria on board a couple of years in a row. He is the creator of uh, Paul Mitchell hair products and yeah. he's one. Yeah. Was, oh, yes. I know. Yeah. He's one, yeah. He's one of the most amazing men. He is, I mean, he's a phenomenal human. And he said he knew he had made it in the world when he got to sit down on a, at a restaurant, look at the menu and order from the left side. Oh. Yeah. And, and he said, that's when he, whatever else happened in life, it didn't matter. He'd made it. And I, yeah, that resonates. I, you know, you sit down and be like, I'll have that, please. <laughs> it doesn't matter what it costs. So I, right. I, I, I understand that safety, security, and that what feeling of well-being that comes from that. That's in, in a sense. Unfortunately, we, we don't have that in in the states because I, I just I just know that there's just so many people that could just need a hot meal, and and I just see that the way that community comes together. And, and granted, we're, we're living in, in Asia where Confucianism has trickled down into all of these cultures and that, and that sense of community is different than the sense of community that we have in the West that's developed out of the individual looking outward, where here you have to question what you can do as an individual and limit your individualism so that you're a productive part of the community that you're helping. And, that, and that, that's questionable too. There's, there's, there's still issues within that, but it's what we've learned as well. Like, like sometimes I think people that uh, start traveling, they um, have, have a tendency to really glamorize other cultures or exoticize them, fetishize them almost in a way, because it, it's so different from what we're used to. And I see the wisdom in, in this approach, but like you said, we get to see, because we are educators, we get to see like behind the curtain, uh, behind the veil of, of what many travelers uh, don't get to see because we're, we're right there with the children that are getting educated. We see into their family lives and we we get to witness the culture from from its its difficult places, its darker places as well. So that's, I think it's important to, to like understand that there's a sense of community that's different but it, it has its own drawbacks, but it also has its own benefits. And one of those benefits is people just don't seem to be as hungry here as they have been in in, in the States. I, I just and that's one aspect that 
living abroad has made me realize like what's what's challenging about my own country and, and where we have a lot of room for for improvement. But at the same time, I'm not saying that uh, that you know this is not perfect. It's not perfect. There's right, no perfect right, culture. Right. There's no perfect environment. But you know, being able to see where the differences are and seeing that this easily could be applied to our culture if we could accept these ideas. That's all. That's all. But yeah. I think it's the same for America too, Jess. You can't say that America is a horrible place. There are oh, things no. that in America were like, ooh, if, if we were able to introduce this concept, what would it look like? Is it every day in the classroom? Right? <laughs> Critical thinking is it, 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 yeah. one of them. Like one of the things that, that like, Trying to teach a child to ask a teacher a question is is incredibly difficult here. Like you get to question the teacher. Like I purposely make mistakes, and if they don't catch me at the end of class, I point out my mistakes and go, "What happened?" and take away their circles or take away their stars, but no one caught the mistake. But I literally see students write down my mistake and they not say anything to me because they don't want to to, to embarrass me because that's not what you do culturally or in, mm-hmm. or go against the grain yeah. of, of the class your right. team if no one else is questioning it then yeah. I can't yeah. I can't question I'm part it. of this team and as a group we have not decided to question the yeah. teacher or, or point out his mistake or her mistake so it's interesting but there's I mean that individualism that we have in America has its uh, has its place I get it and and I wouldn't give up my American passport for anything like I, I want to make that clear like you know I think we've asked I don't know if we've touched on this yet, but the idea of us staying abroad indefinitely, I don't know, like, if we plan to stay abroad indefinitely. I know that I don't plan to ever give up my American passport. Like, that's for sure. It's too powerful. Um, it gets us places. And, and I mean, that's, you want to talk about privilege, look at some mm-hmm. of the passports and the limitations that people have with passports. I can't think of the person who is, she, she just recently did a TED Talk about how weak her passport is. Uh, from what African nation she came from. I don't I don't want to misspeak here, but she had an amazing TED talk about how limiting, like, where can I go? Where can I go with this passport? It's basically nowhere. And then she's like, let's look at your passport and distribute your passport and understand your privileged status within this global society. We get that. We appreciate it. And we're grateful for it all the time. I know that was actually, you kind of led directly into one of the questions that I, we have time for a couple more uh, questions. And so that's what I was wondering, like, what do you have, like, what are your future plans? I I mean, obviously you're, you're saving for retirement and, and building, building your wealth and living a great life. And so do you have a long-term plan and as far as location or are you happy with Asia? Do you think you want to go somewhere else? Like, do you, what are your ideas? Do you, do you have any? Definitely want to go somewhere else. Too many more places. Too many places to see and too many cultures to learn about and foods and, to try. And foods to try. <laughs> <laughs> I'm very food motivated. I'm very food motivated, apparently. I have uh, three children that I want uh, that I am educating about uh, generational wealth. And we often talk about uh, real estate investment. Nothing has been done yet, but just to get their their minds churning of like thinking of a different way of success. I have one that just graduated with her master's degree last weekend. Yeah. Last weekend, I have one that is really successful on social media. And I have one that is the hustler, the one that works all of the different jobs to equal his definition of success. So another advantage that I have is taking their interest and their passions and saying, what does that look like for you to be your own 
entrepreneur uh, business rather than working for someone else. And so we have those conversations often. I do want to invest in some real estate. I haven't gotten just in there yet, but I'm like, what if we buy a home in so-and-so country? And then that way, when all of our family comes to visit, they have a place to stay. But I think that right now we're just taking it one goal at a time, right? We have a certain amount, one country at a time, one goal at a time. We have a certain amount that we want to meet with our Roth and with our investments in the stock market before we go to real estate, but definitely. And and to be what? where the real estate be this is location specific. I'm putting you on the spot now. Where are we going there? Where are we buying property? Okay, so we already said <laughs> South America so that we can be close to our family. Okay, South America. So that we can Let's fly home. The states and to answer the question. Mm-hmm. So not Portugal? Oh, uh, Portugal was an option. Portugal saying. was an option. And then I was also looking at Belize because I have very close friends who have family in Belize and they're all coming together to build maybe like a Tiny home community. Um, Get us some tiny homes. I I love those are great lists. And one of the things I love about Portugal is they're one of the uh uh, the like golden passport. Yeah, I think there's a phrase. I, I, I'm, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, yeah so, yeah, and I think Malta might be the other one, right? Malta, yeah. yeah. So, um, yeah. So I'm, I'm, uh, I've looked at those as well. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, because you know, I mean, I'm down. Like, I am very happy to have an American passport, but I would just as equally be happy to add a European passport to that. You know, <laughs> like I'm like the new, yeah, adding, you know? yeah. Yes. Yeah. Relinquishing your American passport. I don't think that I'm ready to do that, but to yeah, the golden passport. I talked about Justin every year. We're not going to do anything for it for like many years. We're like, hey, it's, it's our annual review. I just want to go over it. Quiz right now and, and go. So yeah. yeah, totally. Maybe just start socking a little bit of that money away for the uh, golden yeah. passport, <laughs> the golden passport fund. <laughs> yes, uh, I'm, I'm down. I'm down. Team Leah here. <laughs> <laughs> Always on Team Leah. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. And so tell people a little bit about where can they find you? You have this beautiful YouTube channel and it's so informative. I watched, I don't or listened to, I was listening um, mostly yesterday to a bunch of your videos. And so also, is this a passion project or a side hustle? Are you growing this as a business? Like, tell us a little bit about it. I would say at the moment, since it costs us money to make these videos, that it's a passion project. <laughs> um, with the hopes, with the hopes of turning it into a stream of income, because Leah, since I'm on Team Leah, since I've been on Team Leah, <laughs> Team Leah has shown me the ways multiple streams of income, which is something that I understood in the states. But in the states, it was a, it was, it was hustling. It was, which is different than a different steady streams of income versus like a passive stream of income. Yeah, yeah, a, a passive stream that I could do. Where in the states, a hustle is a hustle, like. You don't know when it's going to happen next. You got to be on it. It's, and she's like, no, no, no. We have, there are better ways. We, we have grown. Follow me. I will show you. I will lead you. Yes, Leah. Let go and let Leah. That's what I say. Let go and let Leah. Oh, I love that. <laughs> so right now, our, our YouTube channel, I think I'm actually going to have to finally let go of something else here and say that it was Leah's idea. I used to think that it was my idea that, to start the channel. You did? I did. 
I guess I did. <laughs> but Leah, Leah recently discovered a YouTube channel she didn't even know she had started when she was studying in Scotland. So proof being that she started the YouTube channel. I think it's uh it's 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 a different it's a different uh, reason that we started it. But I think ultimately we want people to see how we're living our lives to let them know that hey, you could do this too, right? If you got any questions, we're open for those questions. Come ask us question. But we try to present it as like for me, I know Leo struggles with this word, but I don't mind being the example or the uh, or the witness for a different way of living and that people can be inspired by that. I know that's a strong word for you. To, you know, but I, I can see people watching our videos and they are inspired because we have so many people that contact us and say, hey, how, how do I do this? What's what's the next step? You know, you're more so for Leah because um, I don't know if you're more approachable than me or something, but people seem to feel safer asking you all these questions about how to get abroad, what do I do? Well, so. and there's a, sec- a, a second channel for that too. So our channel is called Get Up, Get Out, Get Gone. And that that is basically what we're doing. We're talking about our life abroad. And originally, our intention and our focus was to say, hey, if you're over 40, yes, you can start over. But it's just opened up a whole, There, there's a whole different group of people. They're, they're from everywhere, all walks of life that are coming and giving us feedback and asking us questions about doing it. And I have my own separate channel called Leah Lives Abroad that talks about the ESL aspect, things that people may not consider coming in as a Westerner for ESL, what does culture talk look like? What happens if you are in a toxic work environment? How to best work with your co-teachers? Everything on the on the ESL spectrum. I, I have um, on my own personal channel, but, I, I do want to create YouTube as a additional stream of income because I think that we have a unique perspective. I don't see any other interracial couples that have started life over doing what we're doing and talking about it at our age. But apparently, nobody cares about that. They care about our adventures. They, they don't care about our age. And so the people that we are inspiring are giving us different things to think about and different topics to talk about on our channel, which is a good thing. But I definitely want YouTube to be another stream of income. We've been invited to write a couple of articles that I have been really enjoying. I didn't even know that I liked writing that much. And there's another stream of income. I don't the think lecture, it's a hustle. The lecture that oh, yeah. We've been invited to speak to colleges um, about our travels and what we do. So the opportunities are coming. I, I say we say yes to everything mm-hmm. because it may open up a new passion that we don't even know that we have yet that yeah. can help others in addition to being another line of income. I'm, yeah. I'm, Let's go and let leave. Yeah, <laughs> I think. You know, I think you're onto something there because business is, as Seth Godin says, it's radical empathy. And so you started this in order to help other people. And business is a service. You know, you didn't start this to better yourself or, you know, it was you started it in service to other people. And Absolutely. so 
Yeah. And so therein lies your success. You already started at the right foundation. And so you're seeing that organically, the people coming to you, telling them what they want more of and asking you to, you know, Hey, come and speak to us, come share your knowledge, come do this. And so you are creating those things. So I I love that. Just say yes until it's time to say no. You just got to find something that has a little more dollar sign behind the yeses. I'm working after school with my with my schools on Tuesdays and Thursdays for little to nothing, actually. I would have done it for free if they didn't, if they hadn't paid me. But it is about uh, Justin is a very, very people orientated person. The more he can learn about people and the more that he can use his skill set to help or to inspire or to give ideas. He's really, really good at that. And I've learned a lot from him because I'm an introvert and I, I tend to stay in the background. I can I can lead like Justin if I have to, but I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. And since we have been abroad and since Justin and I have been together as a couple, I've kind of been pushed. Would you say pushed? I've been leaned into into leadership roles that I really didn't want, but didn't realize how much they help people until I got into those roles. Like the the example of um, being in Vietnam when I started in Vietnam, I'm going to make this story really quick, Pam. It was, I, I started with my school from the day that they opened. It is a private school. And in that private school, we had to get demonstration lessons so the parents would sign up. So when I originally started, my boss, who did not realize that he was racist, was like, oh, the parents love your demonstration, but they they, they will sign little Johnny up so long as it's not you. No black, no black. He used to tell me that all the time. But I used it, but it was ignorance, right? It wasn't like, it wasn't hateful. It was ignorant. And so I use that as an opportunity to showcase my talents, which is why I've taken all the extra classes, which is why I do extra work to make sure that I, that my students excel. And then my kids became like the number one performing kids in my class. Long story short, I got promoted several times, several, several times in Vietnam. And this company, because they were so focused on wanting white skin, they would place people of color out in the country so that they didn't lose business inside the bigger cities. But my position of power allowed me to bring in those people of color, to train them, to to train them to not be offended by the ignorance, but to use it as a strength and a resource to educate the students. It's not the students, actually. It's the parents. To educate the parents, to form a relationship to realize that they have a stereotype because of the media, not because they have interaction with people of color, but because of what the media is showing them. And to be able to place those people of color in larger cities against the recommendation of the company, because the company is looking for a certain aesthetic and have those bridges and those stereotypes being broken down is something that I see after hindsight, hindsight. So, there are several programs that I developed at my school that they adopted company-wide. It was only for my little school, and I think that's why we exploded. I think we were, like, number one in our area for people coming in. The North, the North mm-hmm. uh, and in revenue and 
they adopted my programs. They were like, what are you doing? And I was like, okay, I, I told them everything. I, I did certain podcasts that I listened to that shows how to be a strong manager and how to be empathetic and how to fight for your team. And the company, they, they adopted, they adopt as part of their training program now. And so I don't like being in the spotlight, but I can't. And here in Taiwan, I'm kind of, I have my my administration team, my bosses coming to me to ask for advice on things that I don't think that I should be doing because of the way that I handle myself in in their environment. I've, I've learned a lot. You sit back, like Justin said, when you are when you're in it, I get to see how the hierarchy works. I get to see the inequality between women and men starts very early here. I don't even think they realize it, that, you know, the boys come in the front door and they get to sit in the front desk and the girls sit in the back. And I was like, oh, or the teacher calls on the boys first out of habit. I don't even think they realize that they're doing it. And so when there are troubling concerns, sometimes I, I'm asked for an opinion that is outside of a, a Taiwanese opinion on how I would handle it. And I'm like, oh, hey. I don't, I don't know if I want to be a part of that. That's your job. And they're like, no, what would you do? So it's been fun. I, but I don't think that I would have done that if I hadn't been with Justin. I think I would have stayed back in the spotlight. You weren't pushed. I, you were leaned into. You were leaned into I, that And I love so much about that. The fact that you said yes, the fact that you stepped up, the fact that you, that you, what you are doing is a perfect example of Western women saving the world. You're changing. Yeah. You're changing ideologies. You're improving systems. You are being you and living your truth and making the world better by doing that. And, and here you thought I was into you because you're just a smile. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, I think you should start with uh, making T-shirts, bumper stickers, buttons, the let go and let Leah. I am 100% down. Send me one of those, please. Really? I am really? on you, team Tim. Leah. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Thank you. I'm fine. Yes, I love it. See, uh, for, uh, more streams of income. There you go. <laughs> Start right. selling yeah. your swag. <laughs> uh, so fantastic. And all right, so we will wrap up with a few sort of lightning round questions. And the first one is, what is a book that has inspired or influenced you that may be to help you live this life less ordinary or just, you know, developmentally something that's a book that's really uh, changed your life? I love Limitless by Jim Quick that gives you different ways of thinking about goals and things that you want to attain. And by breaking down what we have been taught in order to build up a new neural net without our ego and our monkey mind telling us that we can't. I love that book. And I love the book, The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck. Mm. I love that book too. Mm -hmm. um, and it yeah. talks about how we inherently think of other people's opinion about us that keeps us from reaching our goals and setting things that are important to us that really are not important. Mm -hmm. I'm able to put aside so much so much stuff that people are so wrapped up in and, and not that they shouldn't because it's important to them, but I'm able just to like, let it go. Like, did, did anybody die today because of that? Do you think that person is thinking about, let it go, let it go. And there are very, I feel that there are very few things that 
get me upset or that I put my attention and focus on if it is not immediately benefiting my spirit, benefiting my happiness, benefiting my, my relationship with Justin. If, if, if it doesn't fit into those parameters or if I cannot interact with this person, place, or thing and be a better person because of it, my focus needs to go somewhere else. And Justin will tell you, I, I let a lot of stuff go because it's just not, it's not worth it. It's not worth it for me. So those are two books that I really, really love. Are you looking to me for books? Looking to me for books? Yes. I don't know. I think one of the most impactful books I've ever read, I can't say that it has anything to do with necessarily inspiring this, this lifestyle. Um, anything that's inspired this lifestyle has been more along the lines of like documentaries and, and the actual YouTube videos. Um, I mean, Anthony Bourdain was able to help me feel less guilty for traveling because for a while there, I thought this privileged status that I have are, you know, coming from the States, being a white man, you know, being college educated, having this this global status that that has all of these benefits, not having to interview for any of the jobs that I've ever gotten, like oh yeah, we see a picture, you're you're hired, and, and, and thinking like wow, you know, am I doing this? Why am I am I doing this ethically? Uh, and Anthony Bourdain's approach to things. I've not read any of his books, just a lot of snippets from them, but most of what he said in his documentaries and his. Um, no, um, no destination, or what was it? Destination unknown. What he had, whatever series, he had a series that where he really looked at the people of where he was traveling and realizing that hey, they have a life that has nothing to do with your travels, so you should look into that. So I'm saying that Bourdain has more influence in, in regards to having a little bit of better understanding and going and purposely not going where other Westerners are if you're in an Asian country, going where people like you aren't seen so that you can get a better understanding of the life of the people there that are living. And we do do that we, a lot. We purposely, purposely yeah. live outside of those expat areas. We purposely seek out the furthest place we can go um, because we we want to get a different experience because, and we want to know about the people that are there because yeah. they they make it so so beautiful to travel it's it's the people you know it's it's for all the experiences we had if it weren't for the people there with you know sharing those experiences with us it would be kind of kind of selfish <laughs> it'd be kind of selfish to, to to like it the way that we do but as far as books i think to this day um the unbearable lightness being which i still want you to read the unbearable lightness of being by milan Kundera, mm -hmm. I think is his name, I pronounce it, was a was a great book because that just shifted my perspective on everything. I think anytime you have a perspective shift on something, you have an opportunity to learn what you can in that shift and maybe stay in that perspective before it shifts back. And, and I think anytime you have like works of art, there's a lot of music that does that for me. It's shifted my perspective on something. Mm -hmm. uh, Jason Isbell is one of those artists that mm -hmm. I think is what artists are supposed to do. They're supposed to make you see things differently and, and shift your perspective. And when you do, you need to grasp what's in front of you because you have a tendency to fall back into comfort. You have a tendency to return. I don't know. I don't know. I'm getting emotional about it. I, I like music and art. <laughs> I love that. And I, I like how you said that. I, I think that is something that's true, that the beauty in art and music, their beauty is allowing you to see yourself through a different perspective. And that's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's always a gift. Um, 
yeah. in that creation. Don't I love that. It. Don't yeah. squander it. Don't squander the opportunity. Yeah. <sighs> so good. What is something? So question number two is what is something that you can't live without? As in, you know, if it comes to tech or your lifestyle in where you are or that you travel with, like what's something as a traveler that you absolutely cannot go without? <laughs> I don't think there's anything that I can't let go. Maybe my passport? That's, yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. that's a good answer. I don't think there's anything else yeah. I can let go of because it's things and it can be replaced with either a better experience, an upgrade. So I would say my passport. I, I would definitely think that we've benefited a lot from Google Translate. We have a tendency to yeah. live places where <laughs> They're not even writing the same characters that we are, right? South Korea, now in, in Taiwan. Don't, don't nudge me. What? <laughs> I'm just saying that there's been time. We we use uh, Google Translate a lot for uh, menus, if nothing else. So we can <laughs> so make sure. What was that one thing that I really loved there? Otherwise, well, I'll just we point. We still order off of the menu and right. not know what it is. So I don't necessarily know that Google Translate is a, a do or die. I don't think, yeah, I think maybe, I think maybe you've said it with a passport. Okay, all right. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's it. Like, you're right. Pass- the passport. Passport it is. <laughs> that's it. Uh, I, I love that question. You get, people get, have so many different answers. One was, um, I think it was called like circle ping and it's a, it's a, browser extension and it tells you how your internet is functioning. So it's a circle and when it's full, it's all your internet's full blazing. And then when it starts to wane in color, then it tells you your internet's going down. And so oh it was, it was, that was a download that as soon as yeah. I, I, yeah, totally. I love tech. I love tech and gadgets. I love that. So that's yeah. definitely one in this circle pain. Yeah, that came from a digital nomad. She's like, you know, you're on yeah. a beach. She's like, that's it's my Zoom call. I'm dropping. My internet's going down right now. So, um, yeah, that's a that's a useful one. And so, as travelers, what are your bucket list destinations? Like, what are the top few places that you guys really, really want to go? All 190. If it's been in National Geographic, <laughs> I want to go there. If it's been in National Geographic. Send me. Listen, I can tell you, we have discovered so many places where we just throw a dart and go. Um, no kidding. I forgot the name of the desert that we found this summer when we were going to go to uh, Mongolia. In- oh, right. Well, yeah. So, yeah, going to Google Flights and then and then punching in the um, your your uh, your budget. budget and then going out with, like, where can we fly to? And then we're like, oh, my gosh, what's this? We've desert? never heard of any chance. Yeah. Didn't know this existed. Yes. Like we need to go. That's going to be on our list. We haven't gone yet, but that's how we just discovered places. Like the way we discovered Taiwan was very similar. We had some extra yeah. time off, and that we discovered <laughs> Taiwan. How we found, how we got found ourselves in Taiwan is we had some extra time off, and we said, "What's our budget? Let's go." And we looked, and like, have you ever been to Taiwan? Have you been to Taiwan? Yeah, but want to go? Let's go. We haven't been. We always want to go somewhere new. We always want to try something new because, yeah, and Taiwan was it. And then we, here we are now, what, two, three years in, into Taiwan. Yeah. And it was just literally a digital, like, throw a dart on the map. You know, what's in our budget? What's in our budget? Shortest flight within our budget is Taiwan. Seoul, let's go. We know, uh-huh. didn't research it, just got on the plane okay. and went. And, and we've done that. We have, in fact, one of our series on, uh, on our YouTube, one of our older older videos, maybe still our cringe videos, they're so old. But we had we just went to Malaysia with no itinerary. It was uh 
It was res- uh, No Reservations, and that was the name of Anthony Bourdain's show. Yeah. No Reservations. And we just went, and we and literally on the plane, we're like, are we supposed to have a visa? <laughs> Oh, I, uh, I love I am glad I'm not the only person that does that <laughs> uh, it's like oh wait do I need am I legal here like <laughs> yeah exactly. we bought the tickets and flew and you know it's and that and it was Malaysia again once we realized we didn't need a visa <laughs> then we had a craving for donuts and we're like we can go yeah, get, then, we can get donuts in Malaysia it's so it's such a great place to jump off for travel. We literally flew to Malaysia for 24 hours because we were craving Krispy Kreme donuts. And that was the nearest <laughs> country that had them. We literally flew, ate ourselves into a coma, and then got back on the plane. We had Baskin Robbins, too. We had Baskin Robbins, too. We had ice cream and donuts. And that's some of the amazing things you get to do when you have the kind of financial freedom mm-hmm. um, that, that you get from untethering yourselves to this this American notion of what success is as Leo as Leo was defining it and and knowing that your money can go further when you're not spending money on the basic necessities not spending as much money and, and we get that by living abroad because we, we we get a really decent income and the amenities that are so low the, the cost of living is so low that it affords us that opportunity to fly to another country to get donuts because you have a craving who gets to say that? Yeah. And we're happy about that. That is one of the best stories. I <laughs> love that. It is so much fun. There is so much passion in it. There is so much adventure. And it is such a great example of the magical life you get to live when you say yes, <laughs> when you just yes. do the thing. So Thank you. That is a perfect ending. I am so excited. (laughs) That sense of adventure, I'm like filled with it. So thank you very much. Before we do end though, tell people where they can find you. What are your YouTube channels? Uh, Are you social media, uh, Instagram handles? Like where can people find you? Um, For both Instagram and YouTube, it's going to be get up, get out, get gone. All one word. Yeah, so just type all that in. You should find us on Instagram. You should find us on YouTube. Perfect. And we will link that all in the show notes. And so thank you. This has been such a joy. I've enjoyed all of it. And happy travels. Thank you. Maybe we'll see you out there sometime out in the great wide open. It might be possible. Oh, yes. Stranger things have definitely happened. (laughs) 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 So I'm down with the... uh, more so the octopus than the donuts, but you know, <laughs> uh, you know any actually of that. in China, you can get octopus on your donuts in China. Oh, just so you know. I'm serious. I'll find Instagram. I'll send it to you. <laughs> oh, that's a good one. So thank you. Thanks, Dan. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. Oh my goodness. That conversation was so awesome. I enjoyed every minute of it and I feel so fulfilled in life with all of the laughter and the beautiful conversation. And here are the key takeaways. Number one, traveling and immersing yourself in the world can provide you with the opportunity to really see yourself 
possibly for the first time. Number two, it can be scary to break out of the social norm, but it can also be quite easy because of the support systems that are out there that want you to succeed. You'll be treated with such hospitality, you'll get over the fear of living abroad. Number three, instead of going down the rabbit hole and the negative downward spiral of what if this is and thinking all of the terrifying things, ask yourself, what if this is the best thing that's ever happened? Number four, living abroad gives you a better understanding of yourself and your country. Number five, we are all more alike than we are different in the world. As a U.S. citizen, living abroad can help change the financial trajectory of your life. It can provide you with the ability to help your family financially, plan for retirement, and see a future where you aren't working until you are 65 or 70. Number six, just in case you need another reason to get up, get out, and get gone, imagine having a life where you have the financial freedom and the time prosperity to spontaneously book a magical trip to another country just for donuts. Life can be that good. Take the leap of faith and design your travel. I will leave you today with this quote by Shirley MacLaine that I think really conveys the message of some of the things we talked about with Justin and Leah today. And that quote is, The more I traveled the more I realized that fear makes strangers of people who should be friends. Thank you so much for showing up and listening to this episode. I know that there are so many things in life that you could be doing right now. And so it means a lot to me that you're here. There are so many more episodes coming your way. So if you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to review and follow us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you know someone who might like to hear it, please share. Those little acts of kindness mean a lot and help more than you know. I appreciate your time and getting the opportunity to share this moment. I'd love to hear more from you. I'd love to connect. So reach out on social. You can find me on Instagram at seafaringwanderer. That's S-E-A-F-A-R-I-N-G-W-A-N-D-E-R-E-R. And then you can join our Facebook group at Design Her Travel Podcast. I would love to connect, hear more from you. Let me know what you'd like to hear more of, places you'd like to hear about, and things you'd like to know how to do. 
when designing your life. So thank you everyone and I'll be back soon.